It's January the 23rd, 2013. We are here at the Paris of the 80s Cafe. Boy, that sign is bright at night. Here's Nicole Apostle. Hi, Nicole. Let's go inside and see what's going on. Oh, it's Jen Burt. Hi, Jen. Oh my goodness, look at all these people here today for the 508 show. This week, we're gonna talk a little bit about economic development and this beautiful place with Martha Safa. Hi there. Hi. With co-owner of the cafe, Gina Migliozzi. Hello. Migliozzi. <laughs> Migliozzi. I'm the worst Italian-American in the world. And Chris Bisaw. <laughs> and manager, Erica Dunn. Hi. And Dante Camparetto, longtime guest. You guys should come back here and sit down. Go on, go on. Everybody who I've talked to about this place, Paris of the 80s Cafe, They've all said, like, I want to go there. What a great name. They, ho they love that whole vibe. How did, how did the name come about? Good question for Erica. How did the name come about? <laughs> um, I had met them earlier in the summer because um, I'm on the Worcester Historical Commission as well. Okay. Um, and I was interested in viewing the building because I knew that it was possible that it could be tore down. Right. So they gave me a tour and uh, just general conversation afterwards. They asked uh, why I had the city seal tattooed on my chest. <laughs> can you, can, can uh, yeah. Can we partially look at this? Yes. Oh, that's cool. That's incredible. Okay. And um, they wanted to know why I love the city so much and what I plan to do with my degree. And um, I had said later on in life when I retired, I eventually wanted to own a cafe and a historical Worcester building where the whole premise was Worcester history. Yeah. Educated people through food and uh, just general conversation. And then a couple weeks later, they actually contacted me and told me they had plans to buy the building, which included this place. And they wanted me to run it and use my premise uh, with the Worcester history theme and name intact. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And you guys, you guys just bought the Palladium, is that right? Yeah, also. Um, we closed on uh, New Year's Eve. Yay! Yes, everybody is like, super happy, super happy about that. I, you know, we 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 did one episode where we talked to the Juggalos, our Juggalo outreach episode. <laughs> but most of my connection to the Palladium is just like seeing metal shows, the metal, the, the metal, the metal and hardcore festival and things like that here. Yeah, so that's, I'm really that's happy. Definitely here. our mainstay is, is metal and hardcore. Yeah, that's what we're known for. So. And you guys are going to be open during the days and also when there's shows. Yeah, we actually have a, um, a door that leads over into the Palladium Lobby, and um, oh, over there. we use that to, to uh, serve uh, during our bigger shows. Oh, like out th is there like a counter and stuff over in the uh, other Yep, part? we have a counter right, uh, right in the doorway there, so okay. we'll have a full, full menu at night as well as during the day. Well, have you guys had any experiences doing this so far, the evening shows <laughs> at the Palladium? Yeah, we've done uh, three or four shows now, and uh, it's, it's, been, it's been good. It's been yeah. good, okay. Yeah, we did two nights with Mo, Four Years Strong, and Clutch, uh, and clutch yeah. Yeah, so it's been it's been good. And have there been any like psychopathic records shows, ICP Not kind yet. of shows? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> we no think we might bring Fago in for those. Yeah. Yes. Yes. yeah. Don't make them walk across the street to that other place. You yeah. have Fago right here. That's wonderful. How did I want to ask you guys about buying the Palladium? Like, how did this occur? How did you make that decision? Uh, it, it's we've wanted to do it. This our company has wanted to do it for a really long time. Mm -hmm. We tried in the past and it didn't really work out. Um, but uh, we, we finally were able to, to get it. Um, time was just right, and uh, you know, we, we have uh, plans to uh, do as much as we can to restore it. Oh, that's a, a, good. As much as possible. Yeah, because I mean, in, just in some of these articles and things reading about it, it seems like the building might have been neglected somewhat the last um, however many years. Yes, well, the, the owners prior to us didn't really do much, um, much of anything. Yeah. Uh, everything that has been restored or fixed in the building uh, our company, Mass Concerts, has uh, paid for and kept the building going and kept the people employed here. Mm. 
um, just to use it as part of uh, you know our overall plan of building bands and promoting concerts. And um, I've been here since 2000, and okay. Chris even longer. So we've put a lot of our own uh, time and energy and heart into it. So it means a lot for us personally to to finally get get the building. And so you said we we might see some sorts of then improvements or restorations or whatever yeah, as the years go now by? Now that we uh, own it, we can actually apply for grants. You know, before it was just extra money we had after right, a show, we could right. kind of put towards things. Now we can apply for grants, tax credits, things like that to, to uh, help with the facade and mm -hmm. pretty up the place. Yeah, we're still in the planning process of all that. Mm -hmm. so, you know, financially, you know, as much as we can possibly do, as, as quick as we can, we will, uh, mm -hmm. but it's probably going to take some time. I love that idea. I love that idea. What was I gonna? What do you have there? <laughs> I don't need any dessert. I don't need any dessert. I've had enough sweets already. That is a that is a holy cannoli cannoli. Oh, that's so <laughs> good. That's awesome. And we, all yeah. We try to uh, keep everything as as local as possible. Our, our coffee is Red Barn Coffee. They're out of Upton. Um, mm -hmm. We use holy cannoli for uh, pretty much all of our pastries and um, the Queen's cups in Millbury, which uh, is Erica's cousin. Um, so we, we try to keep all of our products as, uh, as close to Worcester as possible. Polar is a, is a big, um, uh, we get all of our product, our drinks from Polar. Um, so we're trying to keep it as true to Worcester as possible, as close to Worcester as possible. All of our furniture, but those two chairs, the fireplace, and these four chairs we found up in the debris of the Palladium, all come from Crompton Collective. So um, all of our tables here, everything comes from there. So. Awesome. Our last episode was at Crompton Collective. Oh, really? Yeah. I love that place. Yeah, I'm in there all the time. Big shout out to Crompton because I was on the radio this morning and I forgot to mention them. I apologize, Crompton. We love you. you know, so big shout out to them. I want to I ask this question not so much because I'm confident that we have an answer, but we have a lot of people here with a lot of knowledge. Maybe we do. Maybe we can kick off a process that will provide us with the real answer. Paris of the 80s. What is the origin? Who's willing to raise their hand and say that they have a theory? Well... From what I've heard, <laughs> it was um, an underground term that was thrown around City Hall or um, by some city officials to kind of get Worcester up out of the economic rut that downtown had seen, you know, after the baby boom, after World War II, it was just a, you know, constant decline. Yeah. And, um, you know, even when there was like the cultural renewal and everything going on in the 60s and 70s, downtown still was majorly neglected. So it was kind of just a term from what I gather that, you know, why why go to Paris when Worcester has it all? All that Paris could have here. We just need to, you know, cultivate make, it, make, make it, it happen. happen. Yeah. Make it happen. So I thought the name would be perfect here, downtown, the courthouse, the palladium's up and coming again. So what better time to revive the name and the meaning than, you know, for here. So I love Worcester has so many slogans and we have so many like <laughs> almost like kind of undergroundy or slightly edgy slogans. You have mm -hmm. I mean, like the Turtle Boy is obviously kind of like an undergroundish symbol of the city. I was actually going for a Turtle Boy Cafe by our Paris City is a little more classy right. than Wait, I think it was something more like the mean dean or something. <laughs> 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 You're not supposed to say that. No, no, no. Oh, that's that that out? You better copyright that now, no. Um, I was gonna say also like like Wormtown is another sort oh, of like yeah. awesome like you know, slightly edgy thing. Uh, you know, the city has been trying to work with Wormtown Brewing Company to move them into Union Station. Oh, and wow. they had sort of, they were going to, um, I think they were going to basically like try to take a loan or do something with city financing to help them and then they switched it around so they didn't need to do it. So the city manager this last week wrote a letter to the city council saying like, you should like rescind your previous thing, which is a very procedural thing about redoing the loan. 
The awesome thing was in the letter that he wrote to the city council, he never referred to them as the Wormtown Brewing Company. He only referred to them as Wormtown. So there's a letter from the city manager to the city council <laughs> about Wormtown, and it's awesome. <sighs> I want to ask other people a couple of other things about what's going on, and then I want to talk to more about Paris Ladies Cafe. Martha Safa? Yes. Worcester Anti-Foreclosure Task Force. Is that the Team. name of your organization? Team, Team. not task force. <laughs> How are things going anti-foreclosure-wise these days? Good. We haven't had any auctions at all in the last two weeks. Okay. And the court docket is shorter. Mm-hmm. So, cross my fingers. It okay. seems like the crisis is slowing down. Mm-hmm. And we're working on legislation to make sure that everyone in the pike now doesn't end up post foreclosure that their issues get resolved before before that. Okay. And uh, tomorrow, uh, City Life Leader Urbana and the coalition that they've created, which funds my job actually, um, is meeting with the head of Fannie Mae, okay. which is a really big deal. That's been a two-year campaign, I think. Um, to talk to the di- board of the high ups in Fannie Mae about policy changes, and that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mae own fifty percent of sixty percent of all mortgages. So if they made some procedural changes there, like principal reduction and no more evictions for families in foreclosure, that'd make a huge change mm. in the country. Yeah. So. It's just a little update. Yeah. Let me ask you this. If people, if people, obviously you can't give like general in- advice over the television, even, even cable access television, you can't give that kind of advice. Yep. But if people, if people are like worried about foreclosure, like, is there like, oh, uh, this is the one thing you should make sure you do? Um, I would say find a community of people who are working to fight um, that. I would say invest your money local because it's only the big banks that are the ones responsible for this crisis. And uh, yeah, in whatever way you can, I would say, try and go away as far as possible from capitalism and recreate a new structure. So if someone's (laughs) house is worried about foreclosure, that doesn't seem like a a good short-term answer. (laughs) Overthrow capitalism. If someone is worried about foreclosure, um, I'm, I'm, saying like, I'm saying like if your home is being foreclosed on, or you're worried it's going to be foreclosed on, is there like a one thing that people should make sure that they do? Yeah. You um, said like reach out to other people. Yeah, reach out to other people. If you're pre-foreclosure, contact the Attorney General's office. Hmm. They can connect you up to legal resources as well as other resources. Um, they have like a loan modification division right now. Um, so call, this, call the Attorney General. State Attorney yeah. General. And then I would say try and find out wherever a movement is closest to you so you can work on fighting against the banks because by yourself you're going to get nowhere. Yeah. But if you're working with more than yourself, you'll have a chance of actually achieving something. Awesome. Educate yourself too on your rights, I'd say. There's yeah. a lot yeah. of people being discriminated against and they don't even know that it's a right that they have, and that goes mm-hmm. with any issue really. So. Yeah. Especially housing, so. Jen Bird? Yeah. Book of the Week? Book of the Week. Bears Discover Fire by Terry Bisson. Uh, I've only read half of it, but I liked half of it so much <laughs> that I made it Book of the Week. I read another one of his books earlier this year that was like an alternate. Uh, what, is this, what is this, this book one, like? What this is one this? is awesome. It's just like really funny, quirky short stories 
good characters. There's one where the ATM starts like giving like relationship advice. Kind of. <laughs> um, the title one is really great. It kind of tells you what happens. But yeah, I like this collection too. I just want to say, famous short story. They're made out of meat. If you haven't read it, you should read it. It's like a three-minute story. It's in this book. <laughs> Terry Bilson. Good guy. Nicole Apostle and Dante Comparetto. Let's talk about the library parking lot, shall we? What's going on? There's no hockey rink there so far. Right. So I just got back from uh, the city's community discussion about... Um, Wait, the, what was the that hand gesture? <laughs> no, I sh that's probably a call for it. It was actually a pretty good community discussion. They did allow for everybody to speak. But what it was was to talk about the proposed theater district master plan and I was there uh, wearing my library director's hat and advocating for the library. Um, obviously we're concerned about the surroundings of a library as it pertains to the plan. Um, we want obviously surroundings that complement the Worcester Public Library mm -hmm. and especially uh, we want to retain our safe and affordable uh, and easily accessible parking mm -hmm. but we, um, you know, we admit that um, there, there is um, uh, opportunities for some sort of development there um, with parking efficiencies. And we, we put on our own community forum um, just last week. Um, it was well attended um, to get a better idea of what the public would like to see happen at the Francis Vigrafla. And it was overwhelming that they wanted to see some sort of mixed use uh, of, that, of that lot. Mm. Um, and so um, I just kind of pointed that out to everybody. I pointed out to the city and the WBDC that it would behoove them not to um, really, uh, you know, um, consider the public's um, input about what needs to happen to the lot. And um, I mean, it seemed like that they were really receptive. Obviously, we have a lot of follow-up work to do with that. Yeah. So, so the process is still ongoing of people plans and counter plans. Yeah, and I'd like to point out that um, the, the overall plan is actually pretty decent. It's something I'd like to see happen. You know, I'm a big fan of arts districts in general. I want to see a revitalized downtown. You're saying the overall plan of like all the, the whole the whole Worcester Business Development Corporation scheme. The theater district master plan. The overall, it's a good, theater overall it's a good plan and it could do a lot for this this business and the Palladium um, if it were to be implemented. But mm -hmm. um, again um, the library board or the public shouldn't support this plan um, if it's going to um, impact the library. And by taking away its parking or not addressing it, um, it will, it could uh, really adversely impact the library to a point that it could eventually close. And, um, and that would destroy the whole purpose of the plan. It's supposed to be a plan anchored in institutions and um, culture, and the library is very much one of them. And so if it shuts down, it kind of gets rid of the point of the plan. I want to ask you a question, because so Gabe Rollins, downtown resident, downtown gadfly, sometime co-host of this program, has said that he feels like he's hearing a certain vibe from people of like, that they would rather it stay a parking lot than something cool happen at there, rather than it become like a hockey rink or something. And he was like, we need to have something there besides a parking lot. What do you, what is, are there people who are saying, let's just leave it how it is? Absolutely. I mean, that came, are. that came out, that was an overwhelming theme as well during our forum. There's a lot of people that wanted to see nothing happen with the lot. Oh, man. Um, who are these people? <laughs> well, uh, they're, they're people that want um, parking for the library. I, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I park there every time I go downtown, even if it's, like, pretty yeah. far downtown, I park there because it's the only, like, 
off-street public parking downtown. But I did like the idea that I saw some people bring up in like notes from the meetings I read about, like making it like a nicer part, like great, some green space. I, I thought that was that. really great. Like put some benches and make it like keep mostly parking, but my f- make it less of like tar. Right. My favorite concept that came out of the meeting that you planned on was that uh, the idea of like putting food trucks like there, using up a few of the spaces, and then really working on an outdoor space where readers from the library can come out of the library and enjoy the outside. So maybe turn get a into snack. like a park. So they're talking about like <coughs> turning it into sort of a greener, prettier area. Or like combining one of, I think Alan Fletcher was talking about like combining the play area of the YMCA with the library so that it's more centralized and pulling the two places more together hmm. so that the Y and the library can share some programming yeah. so that the kids are more outside. Because right now they're kind of like boxed into this den-like thing. Yeah, I worked there and it's like prison-like for the children almost. (laughs) My son still goes there, so. And I would say that in the master plan, that is one of the city's main, or is a concern, and I know when I've spoken to city officials, it is a concern that top lot is not, they they feel, they don't like it being where it is right now. And so if you could have a little bit more, you know, cross, you know, pollination. I think the other thing is, from what I hear with people with the parking is, um, some people do like surface lots, and um, that that's just how it is. I think some people feel like if they're just going for oh, I, I, I am with them. you. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm just going to kill them. No. Um, oh but, uh, <laughs> All right. All right. Sorry, no violence on the 508. Um, no, but I think what people are, are expressing is first, some people make very quick uh, visits to the library. And so what they're yes. expressing there is that they don't want to have to go in a garage, come out, they just want a quick trip. So that right. that's what's being expressed there. I think the other thing is that people might have safety concerns about parking yeah. garages. Mm. I, for myself, I know that, that walking in that, that lot at 10 p.m. is not a safe experience, so it's not very well lit. So if you did have a, a small garage that was well lit and, and I think work was designed correctly, it'd be okay. Mm. I think that though that that people do have a concern that um, up until quite recently the city had not been taking the library very seriously. 20 years ago we lost most of our branch libraries and um, the, the library funding you know went and and until we got a little bit of pilot money. So I think that one of the things that people are concerned about is that they have not experienced the city um, loving the library, or the city administration loving the library for quite a long time, and so be- better, you know, as my husband says, um, you know, sometimes the best thing is to do no first, do no harm, rather than do something that would would you know negatively impact the library. So there you go. There you go. Asa Needle has. But you're gonna I, I was just going to say that I mean, in general, when you look at libraries and what, what, what surrounds and complements libraries and other places, you see a lot of parks outside of them. It's opportunities to bring out the programming of the libraries outside, and that is something we would like to see. And I'd rather like to re- reiterate um, what really came out of that forum, which is that, yeah, we need parking, and but it's p- possible to incorporate parking and, you know, green space where you can have 
uh, this kind of programming. There was, uh, speak, there was a lot of support for amphitheater out there. There were, as Martha mentioned, support for food trucks, which is a huge thing in Austin, Texas, which would be great to see uh, in and around the area. And um, yeah, that sort of thing. So. And Mike, if I may say one thing, yes. the hockey's not happening. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. That's right. This is your decision. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm just, just, Second. Just, yeah. Just, it, it is what it is. It's not happening. I want to point out that Asa Needle has walked in. Hi, Asa. Hey, everybody. Hey, guess what's happening on uh, January the 31st, Asa? Speaking of things on my piece of paper here. What could it possibly be? Your dad's CD is release party is happening. <laughs> Nat Needle's having a CD release party, 8 p.m. at Nick's on January the 31st. He wants you all to go there. This is a release of his CD, Worcester Potholes. Here's my review of this. Perfect. This is a collection of Nat Needle's songs about Worcester and Worcester politics from down through the years, performed in the most Nat Needle way possible. So be warned. But I'm really happy to have like his song about the go-go and things like that, you know, immortalized on his CD. I think it's pretty cool. So people should come out and check it out. Eric, I want to ask you a question. Yes. So you you say that you like Worcester so much that you have like tattooed a giant Worcester thing on yourself. Yes. And so, like, I know a lot of people who like Worcester have done some extreme things, such as move here or <laughs> buy, a, buy a house here in the really Even if you move away, I'm convinced people always come back. Well, this is like the most. <laughs> Even if they don't want to. I think this is like, well, I think this is one of the most drastic pro Worcester statements I'm aware of. So, can you, why do you like Worcester so much? Well, I was born here. Uh, my grandfather was really into community programs. Um, Great Brook Valley, he uh, was the president of the Trist Speaker Little League. He also implemented the first girls and boys basketball team uh, in Great Brook Valley. Um, he helped raise me uh, for the early years of my life. He actually ran for city council in the late 70s. He was uh, given the key to the city of Worcester as well. Um, he was just always a man that didn't have much to give would give you the shirt off his back. And he was always like, you know, when you look out your window, if you're not happy with what you see, what kind of life are you going to live? And, you know, that kind of just stayed deeply rooted with me. Became interested in American history. Went to school originally for early childhood, but switched it over to American history. And then I actually uh, graduated from Worcester State with a concentration in public history, the first one there. So um, being like Worcester as my public history. And hmm. I'm sealed for life. So it says my heart, my home. And there's no one that, well, people are like, what's that? And they live here. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, it's on all the street signs. I'm sure if you've gotten tickets or anything, it's right there. Like, <laughs> how do you not know what this is? So my main thing is just making people proud of where they come from. Um, working in inner city schools, I know that a lot of kids don't leave these streets. Um, they stay within their neighborhoods, very tight-knit. Uh, so when they walk outside the door, it's important to me that they know, you know what happened here, what could happen here, what our future is. And um, I think if you start young and you deeply root you know, people having a pride of where they come from. That entails, you know, people having, promoting civic duty, a more uh, community involvement, people wanting to give, you know, if they see a piece of trash on the street, they'd be more willing to pick it up because they have that sense of pride. Just little things, you know, and I think that, um, you know, these are the streets you walk every day. You should be prideful of those streets and, and what surrounds you. So that's what keeps me going. Everyone that walks in here, I try to educate them whether they know they're getting educated on something or not, something Worcester related. If they're getting a napkin, I'm like, oh, grab a postcard. There's, you know, vintage Worcester postcards over there, and there's pictures from here, and that's my favorite part. I'll get called from the back if one of the other girls has no clue 
what a picture is or what something means. So I love just explaining things to people and teaching them about where they're from. So thanks for doing that. And I want to thank you guys too. Thanks for saving the Palladium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give you guys a salute. That's awesome. <laughs> and thanks for everybody else for being on the show. Asa, do you have anything to do? You, do you want to do some outreach while you're here? Do you want to spend a couple minutes about something? outreach? I don't know. About hey, lead, lead in the soil. There's a show this Sunday at. Oh, can you guys talk about stone soup stuff? Yeah. yeah. Is there stone? Come, Scoot, come on, come in closer, because nobody can hear you. In case Jen hasn't come already closer, convinced come you. <laughs> in case Jen hasn't already convinced you about what an amazing project Stone Soup is. Uh, in 2009, our most beloved community center had a tragic fire. We've been rebuilding ever since. Uh, Jen Burt is now our executive director, uh, leaving the helm in our really? heroic, cool. heroic <laughs> charge I'm the, pres I'm the, the board future. president. You're the board president of yeah. Stone Soup? Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. Clearly, this alone should convince you this is an amazing organization. But aside from that, we have many exciting testimonials. Anyway, we're having a house show at uh, and you should come and bring your checkbooks and your wallets and donate. Um, it's going to be a uh, metal hardcore uh, show for those that are interested in that kind of music. But otherwise. You can come and talk to people and give your money, even if that's not if that's not your main purpose. <laughs> and how? Like, where? Where? You know, I keep asking. Actually, I got to talk. I got something I want to talk about briefly, and then relate it back to Stone Soup. So I have seen people, and by people I mean especially Kate Toomey, who have been saying, who have been saying, people said there would never be a skating rink. People said Front Street would never be reopened. Those people were wrong. I don't know who these people are. These may be the same people who want the library parking lot to stay the way it is. I, th I, think what, I think mostly what people have said is like, when you tell me every 18 months the skating rink is going to open, I promise, I promise, I promise, and then it doesn't. Or every 18 months the city square deal is going to close, I promise, I promise, I promise. Or like with the South Blister Industrial Park, the closest thing, thank you. Every 18 months, for now 18 years, you say, we're going to bring in a petunia factory. And it's, uh, is that petunia? It's a periwinkle factory. We're going to bring in a periwinkle factory. It's going to open. It's going to rejuvenate that area. I promise, I promise, I promise. And then it doesn't happen. People get frustrated with this after a while, and they say, what is your deal? So you guys have, people have been coming on Stone Soup on this show for the last four years saying, it's going to be rebuilt. I promise, I promise, I promise. And it never happened. It's like, it's like the rain dance, you know. It, Wait a it second. Works because eventually it's going to rain. It's, <laughs> Thank you, Ace the Needle. I, I, I want to end the show on that note. Thank you so much to Chris, to Gina, to Martha. To uh, Jen, to Asa, to Nicole, to Dante, to Erica. I'm Michael Benedetti. This is the Paris of the 80s Cafe. It's literally, it's on Main Street. It's right adjacent to the Palladium. It's open like lunchtime, basically. Eight, yeah, 8 to uh, 3. So 7 to 3. 7 to 3. <laughs> so if you work downtown, you work at the courthouse, you come here, you get your cup of coffee in the morning. You go over, you go, you come over here and you get lunch. And then also in the evening, if there's like shows going on, you can get stuff from here around the other side. Awesome. Thanks, everybody, for being on the show. Thank you. This has been 508, and we will talk to you all next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>